You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tajan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. This is episode number two in Hunt Stand Week. Be sure to go check out the first episode I did with Mark Kaiser earlier this week. Uh, awesome episode. But today we get to talk about uh, we get to talk to someone who I consider like. A guy who just loves to hunt. His name is Josh Honeycutt, and he's been on this podcast several times before. He's an outdoor writer, so you probably have seen some of his work uh, or read some of his work other places, and uh, the dude just loves to hunt. He is associated with uh, Hunt Stand. I believe he does some writing for them as well, but uh, he's the man. And I love having him on because just listening to him talk, you can understand the passion he has for the outdoors, for hunting, uh, specifically whitetails, right? So, uh, but the dude, that's not to say that he doesn't love other things too. 
So this is a really good episode. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. You know, it's uh, ed- this episode is not only educational, uh, but it's also entertaining, right? So you're gonna he's gonna break some stuff down for us. What where he's found success in the past. He's gonna break down his season. This this episode was recorded early September, I believe. So. Let's see, early September. So we got to make sure that, you know, we put it into perspective here that some of this stuff has already happened. Uh, and uh, but once he starts talking about the rut, once he starts talking about the October time frame, it's just perfect. Right. So uh, be sure to listen before before uh, we get into the commercials, though, with it being hunt stand week. Uh, I just I do want to say that just for your own good go to huntstand.com and read up on the product okay especially if you're a whitetail hunter this platform this app this if you want to call it a hunting app this mapping uh, digital mapping app has so much much functionality for the whitetail hunter that i feel like it's under it's underappreciated and so there's so many things you can do whether you're a private guy and you have food plots whether you're a public guy and you gotta you know make sure you have the best access routes and know where property boundaries are all the way to documenting trail camera photos and things like that uh go check out huntstand.com i'm telling you it is it's a really really good tool to have for any style of hunter right so that's the hunt stand commercial i just want to get that out of the way it's hunt stand week you know so that's why we're doing it promote hunt stand all right a couple other brands that we need to talk about if you're looking for a saddle go check out tethered uh there are people already laying the smack down on some really good deer utilizing the saddle this year all you gotta do is look on instagram uh, or any social platform and you'll see that uh so if you want to find out more information about uh, number one, just how to use a saddle. Go check out the Tethered uh, YouTube channel. They, those guys have a ton of information. So once you've made the decision, you've purchased your saddle, now you can be educated on how to properly use it. Tips, tricks from guys who have been doing it for a very long time. And of course, the products, right? They have the saddle, they have the climbing sticks, the platform, and uh, all the accessories that you could need. And then the Seek and Destroy. Jin, 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 jin. I, I keep saying this wasp broadheads, right? Um, love the heads, love the people that work there. Uh, and, and once you learn about this, if you haven't, uh, go, go search wasp, uh, broadheads at, on the sportsman's, uh, empire. Let's see on the sportsman's empire page or, uh, uh website. And what you'll see, you'll have the Hunting Gear podcast pop up a couple of times and you can hear Fred Doherty, one of their lead engineers and designers, talk about not only the design, but the material that they use. And it's just like, it's a deadly combination, man. And then on top of that, the customer service is impeccable. Uh, so go check out Wasp Broadheads. Highly recommend them. Discount code for 20% off, NFC20, NFC20. Uh so you can destroy, right? Lastly, Vortex, the 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 title uh, partner in this podcast. Here's what I want to say: um, great people. The guys that are working at the, the guys that I know, right? A majority of the people who work at Vortex are passionate in the category that they represent. What 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 does that mean? That means that if you um, 
if you are just a guy who loves to shoot guns, right? And you want to use some of their optics. They have a guy out there who's just like you working for them who can answer all your questions. Uh, for example, there's a guy named Ryan Muckenhern who works at, uh, uh, at Vortex. The dude is a gun nut. He knows everything. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he knows everything, right? That's how that's how good he is. And then you have guys like, uh, oh man, what's his name? Uh, anyway, his name's Eric. I forget his last name. He's going to hate me for it. Anyway, dude is a hardcore hunter, right? So he works in the marketing department. I don't, I don't know if he, he'll be in the customer service department, but you're, what I'm going to get at is you're going to find somebody at Vortex who can help you answer any of your problems that you have, whether it's with one of their optics or it's hunting strategy. I'm not joking. If you call up with a problem to Vortex and ask them uh, for some help, they're going to help you. On top of that, their product line, rifle scopes, red dots, spotting scopes, binoculars, rangefinders, they have it all. Their VIP warranty, top notch. You break it, you destroy it, it burns in a fire. You hit it with your lawnmower, you send it in, they send it back and they will, um, uh, they'll fix it for free and send it back to you. So there's that, vortexoptics.com, go check them out. And they also have a badass line of apparel. I mean, their hats, their hats and their shirts just from a fit standpoint fit me very well i'm very happy with them and uh, i just love uh, you know i just love everything about vortex We're great company great brand great people all right vortexoptics.com that is the commercial all right so i really appreciate you guys listening to that please go out and support the companies that support this podcast please go to itunes excuse me leave a five-star review and uh and uh, let everybody know how good the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast is, the Hunting Gear podcast, the Sportsman's Empire uh, product uh, podcast network. Go check them out. And then uh, what else? I think that's it. Let's get into today's episode with Josh Honeycutt. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me once again, Mr. Josh Honeycutt. Josh, how we doing, man? Hey, guy. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. So uh, what is going on in your life right now? Uh, not much. Uh, I was late getting my daughter to the, uh, the babysitter this morning. Uh, but but other than that, everything's been pretty smooth sailing today. Gotcha. How old's your daughter now? Uh, she's uh, just turned two. Just turned two. And do you, do you have another one on the way? Or am I thinking no, of somebody I else? I don't. I don't. Uh, at least I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> you never know if right? i do if i do it's news to me <laughs> there you go there you go i was hoping maybe it could we could make an announcement out of it on this podcast well i mean i could go try real quick. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry no that's that all right no. <laughs> hey that falls right in line with this podcast so you're 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 doing good so uh man we're knocking on you know it's september Right. We're knocking on just like a lot of states opening up. Some of the Western states um, have a September 1st opener for deer. Uh, You know, elk is in full swing out west. And, uh, you know, here in the Midwest, there's certain states with September openers, probably about 15 days or something like that, 10 days. And on the east east side of the uh, country as well. Um, Are you a. Are you a September guy? I mean, do you like to get out and do some hunting in September, or do you like to wait for the 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 prime time? 
Oh, I love September. It's probably my favorite uh, month of the year to hunt uh, for, for several reasons. And uh, I think we talked about this on the How to, How to Deer Hunt podcast uh, a couple of days ago. But, uh, you know, it, it's pretty cool because, you know, the early season, you know, everybody talks about late season is the best time to target a specific buck because, you you know, you have deer on patterns. You know, if you have all the food, you have all the deer. And that's true. Deer are more spread out this time of year because there's just food is in just in abundance uh or, or or more abundance than late season i should say yeah um but um you know obviously the the abundance of of what deer eat right now isn't as good as what some people think it is sometimes you know the the, the time that deer actually have the greatest abundance of food is in spring uh and then it starts to taper off from there but because uh, deer concentrate selectors they're, they're choosing the, the highest you know quality of the highest quality and there's just not as much of that right now but if you're in ag country you know obviously there's soybeans everywhere so yeah. that's a little different but but yeah i love september uh, i think you know it's the best time to kill a specific target buck uh i think you know you know i mean i i know you know the rut's still king if you're just trying to kill a mature buck but i still think that the early season uh is at least equal to um the uh, uh, if not better than the late season when it comes to targeting a specific deer gotcha all right so let's talk a little bit about uh this upcoming season right and I want to talk about I want to add this early season aspect into the overall season and and what I'd like the topic to be today is to focus on if you if if there's a guy out there who wants to start hunting multiple states, right? You hunt multiple states, I hunt multiple states. Um, I'd like to discuss and talk about timing of when to plan these hunts, how you plan these hunts, uh, obstacles that you have to work around like family and work and and just kind of ease somebody into it hopefully hopefully that the conversation will lead them to maybe getting out of their state and and picking up another state or two for you know for for a season so when it comes to choosing an out-of-state hunt because where do you live again i'm in kentucky kentucky yep that's right kentucky so you live in kentucky obviously you hunt kentucky but how do you plan your other out-of-state hunts yeah, so I mean, uh, whatever the wife lets me do, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, you know, I, you know, I, generally my typical year, I, I usually try to hunt about three states. That's what I try to do. Um, I used to hunt four to fives, uh, uh, but uh, you know, when kid, you know, when, whenever my daughter was born, I kind of, I kind of pair. You know, it happened right at the same time as COVID, and so you know, just had a lot going on. And so the, for the last couple of years, I've been hunting. Uh, you know, two to three states, uh, usually it's three states. Um, obviously, Kentucky home base, so it kind of takes precedence because I generally have access to bigger deer here, and, you know, it's not all about big deer, but, you know, everybody likes to shoot big deer. So, you know, generally, I, I you know, Kentucky, obviously, home base, it kind of takes precedence, and then everything else kind of revolves around it. But the, I think the overarching rule when it comes to, um, you know, how to know where to go and when to go there at least in my opinion, is let the deer tell you what to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that comes in the form of when their rut takes place, um, what trail cameras are showing, what, you know, if you have that historical uh, knowledge of a property, when that property tends to peak, because in my opinion, you know, I don't have access to a lot of big properties. And if it's like a hundred acres or less, or even sometimes 200 acres or less, 
oftentimes those properties will peak at a certain time of year, you know, per, you know, early season, pre, you know, rut, rut, you yeah. know, excuse me, rut, rut or, or late season. So, you know, they might, they might be really good for a couple of those phases, but generally they're not going to be good properties for every single phase. So, so that's another factor to remember as well. Gotcha. So with that said, then, um, obviously the, the peaking rut would be the best for, let's say I want to hit the Iowa rut. I want to hit the Missouri rut. I want to hit, you know, the peak times on these specific properties. So how do you know that? Like, how do you, what kind of information are you gathering to find out when the best time is to be in the woods on a specific property? Yeah. I mean, just, just looking at the rut itself, um, there's something I really want to talk about right now that I can't because it hasn't has, has not been made public knowledge yet. But uh, rest assured, there's going to be some really a really cool um, asset for for hunters to use this fall uh, that just has not been made public yet. So I, I can't talk about that right now, but uh, I, I do know of a feature that's going to make that simple process really much easier okay. uh, than it currently is. Um, so, so I'm sure every, a lot of the deer hunters out there are going to be hearing about that feature when it, when it goes live here, uh, uh, in, in the next month or so. But, uh, but anyway, you know, that aside, you know, you know, I, I think that the best way to figure out exactly what's going on, where you hunt, you're at least nearest to where you hunt currently, you know, again, this new feature is going to be really cool, but the best way to do it right now is just to talk to your local biologists. Um, DNRs generally publish data um, about, you know, the, the, when the rut occurs. Like, for example, I'll, I, I mean, I can speak to Kentucky and Ohio. So Kentucky, um, you know, generally our rut peaks somewhere around November 7th, 8th. From that point, when it really starts kicking in up until about November 20th or so, I'd say the, the bulk of the does are probably uh, in estrus from November 10th to 20th. Um, you know, and that's, that's during that, you know, lockdown period when, you know, that they're actually paired off, not when, you know, seeking and chasing and stuff like that's going yeah. on. Um, but, but, uh, I'd say that's probably the peak in Kentucky, but in Ohio, Southern Ohio, where I do a lot of hunting, it's much earlier than that. You know, I would say it's probably around November 2nd, 3rd, up to around November, you know, probably November 1st or 2nd up to around November 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th. So, so it's about, you know, anywhere from five to 10 days earlier you know, and it's just five hours difference, yeah. and they're both kind of quote unquote midwestern states, but that's a pretty big difference. So if you know that, if you have that information, you can kind of stagger your rut hunts and kind of hunt whenever you think that property is going to be peaking or that state's going to be peaking. Yeah. So you've you what happens if you know obviously a phone calls, um, talking to locals, things like that, but you and I know from experience that a property could be getting i mean getting real good lots of movement and then a mile down the road uh it could be dead because the the um the breeding cycle is based off of when specific does go into heat right so uh, i'll just be honest there, there is a there's a couple there's a small push on the main farm that I hunt in, I would say around the October 27th, where a lot of big dogs start getting on their feet. And, and I'm, I'm, I think the, the mature does start to uh, go into heat then. But then there's like a whole week or week that goes by all the way, probably until November 5th, 
where it's, I would call that the pre-rut all the way up until November 5th or so. And then it really starts to get rocking and rolling the second week, um, maybe even into the third week where a lot of the, uh, like where I see the biggest deer on trail camera. Right. So, um, any, any plan other than the phone calls and things and, and scouting, um, is there any other tips and tricks that a, a guy can look at or research to look at or, or data that they can find maybe weather patterns or something like that, that would allow them to look at, look at that and go, okay, I need to go this week. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not a biologist, you know, so I, I'm not a scientist in the, in the slightest, but you know, as a, an outdoor writer, I spend a ton of time pouring over research as I come across it, just cause I'm so interested in whitetails. And then I also oftentimes write about this research. So I'm not a biologist. I don't do studies. I'm not an expert, but I've spent a lot of time looking at, re- at research and studies. And a lot of that data that I've looked at, um, shows that there's not a huge correlation as far as, um, you know, weather or moon or anything like that. Any of those outside factors really impacting the timing of the rut. Um, However, I do think especially temperature can influence how much of that you see during daylight hours, you know. So, so, I mean, I think you know, obviously photo period for the northern half of the country, photo period, daylight length, that's the trigger for the rut. Um, obviously, there's going to be some, like I said, there's some slight differences from state to state, even in the northern half of the country. That said, you know, most of the most of the deer in the northern half, you know, it's a, it's a November rut. But, yeah, you know, as you said, things start to get, you know, start to tick tick up and get more uh, uh, action, you know, more action begins to unfold as you get into later October. And, and that, that un- also, that, that basically falls in line with a lot of the research. A lot of the research shows that, you know, deer crepuscular, they move most at dawn and dusk. However, the amount of daylight length, you know, starts to increase in September, gradually increases through September, through that October lull everybody likes to talk about. You know, and then peaks during the the uh, uh, the, the rut in November, and yeah. then it starts to taper off during into the late season. Yeah. So you know, we, we know that you know a lot of the times, you know, it, it has to be photo period. But there are some other factors too. So like you know, I was just talking to uh, uh, Kip Adams with uh, NDA the other day, and he was talking about how you know um, you know especially in the South, you know, if you're a Southern deer hunter, you have these huge variations in the rut. So obviously photo period is not really factoring as much there, but there's also other things in play. So like in the Northern half of the country, these whitetails have to drop their fawns at a certain time for them to, to have any chance of survival, not as necessary in the South because it's not as cold. Right. And they have other, other factors too, like flood, seasonal flooding, uh, you know, seasonal predation at, at times, uh, depending on exactly where you're at. Um, in the deep south so so i mean and, and other factors so you know they have a much more varied rut but they they also have a lot of uh restocking that occurred in the south too and they pulled deer from a bunch of different areas that had different ruts and then you have these hodgepodge of, of factors that influence the southern rut so it's just a different animal from north to south and so it's hard to it's hard to talk about one uh or, or the other you know just by itself because it's almost two different complete discussions but you know just strictly speaking to the northern half of the country those who hunt in the midwest northeast west whatever you know i think the biggest thing is um is is to fine tune your rut dates because there's not going to be as huge of a window to quote unquote chase the rut in the northern half of the country as there is in the southern half of the country yeah so you really have to be precise 
uh, and almost surgical in your hunt plans. Yeah. So guys like me and you are kind of lucky. There's a, there's a little bit of flexibility in our scheduling. I'm assuming you're, you have a little bit of flexibility in, in your, in your, we're not, we're not like a, uh, a guy who sits in a cubicle per se, or a guy who, um, is on a factory line, right? They have to say, all right, they can't go to their boss and be like, Hey, depending on when this cold front hits, uh, Illinois, I'm going to go, I'm leaving and going, uh, they have to, you know, a lot of people have to plan out, especially with kids and, you know, other, you know, family responsibilities. How, how would you suggest then a guy trying to schedule a vacation time go about it? If he can, should he be, be flexible or should he just stick to a certain set of dates? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, I think a lot of it, a little of both, um, you know, because generally that, you know, I, I've, you know, everybody talks about how they don't like to hunt the peak rut, you know, because that's kind of locked down. You got a lot of deer bedded down, bucks with does, for, you know, be with them for anywhere from 24 to, you know, if they get there early enough, close to 72 hours. But, but you know, and people don't like that period. I've had good hunts during that period. You know, I've had good hunts, you know, in, in, in the days leading up to that period. Um, I do think just for overall uh, uh increasing the, the, the you know just for the sake of increasing the odds i do think that this five to seven days leading up to peak rut are probably the best for seeing mature deer um on can you know you know while you're on stand but just simply because i i think you know there's less of a chance of them being you know you know tucked up into a sinkhole somewhere with a doe you know out yeah. of sight yeah. so I, I would say the best you know stick to those dates however if you get a you know really really big hot spell that falls during that time, I would probably personally um, you know consider maybe trying a little bit a little bit something different and maybe maybe uh, waiting a little bit longer. I mean, deer are still going to rut even if it's hot. You know, again, yep. weather does not impact that. Right. However, I've heard a lot of people say, and I do think there's something to it. It can impact how much of it you see in daylight, and obviously that's when you're going to shoot a deer. You can't shoot one at night. Right. So. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think stick to the dates that, that are going to be best for you, but also consider being flexible if that temperature uh, and, and weather isn't going to be great. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, man, I went on, uh, man, what year was it? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what year it was. I went out to uh, Nebraska and the first three days, it was just sweltering. I mean, it was nine, mid nineties and it was a September hunt. And I was like, Jesus, man, like it just was brutal sitting out, you know, out there out in Western Nebraska, there's not a lot of shade, you know, I was trying to tuck into places and, and yeah, I saw some deer, but it was last 15 minutes of light, first 15 minutes of light in the morning. And so then what happened was two days before I left, a cold front came through, it rained all day. And then, um, and nothing was really moving in, in the rain. And then the next day things started opening up and I saw a ton more deer and I saw some good bucks and whatnot, but then it was time to go. 
So I, I look at that and I, I, I use that as an example and I say, okay, if I can, if I can adjust the schedule and look at the weather uh, forecast, I will slide that whole, I'll slide it back a week. And so for guys who have to stick to a tough schedule, I, you know, a, a, a strict schedule, I would try at least ask, I mean, asking the wife, asking the, um, the, the boss, if you can adjust those dates, it's going to be better really for you because I, I feel like there, there are certain times when if the weather's not good and it's, uh, we'll just use extreme heat, then it's almost not worth going. And you'd have to get, I mean, you can use all the skills, you know, but you'd still have to get really lucky to get something located and shot. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, it's still, it's still worth hunting at home, yeah. you know, during that period. Yeah, you know, close, if, if close, close, yeah. Close to home, you know, you know, a quick two hour, two and a half hour, three hour hunt, you know, before that heat really starts to kick in. I think it's 100% still worth, you know, hunting during right. the rut. And you can still shoot deer, you know, when it's hot during the rut. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've shot some, some, some rut, you know, some rut bucks, you know, on days. But if you're planning a big out-of-state trip, a hundred percent i think it's better to wait for good weather you know and you know one of those things you know everybody kind of gets in a rush they're like oh if i don't kill a buck by november 10th my season's over and you know or november 15th and and that's just so not true you know maybe if you have gun seasons during the rut where you hunt and and the deer are heavily pressured you know there obviously is higher odds of the target buck that you're after you know you've been hunting there's higher odds of that deer getting killed during the rut if, if you have gun seasons during the rut uh, but but even then it's not guaranteed uh for example i mean I'll, again i'm use kentucky as an example so uh i filled my tag in mid-october during our two-day muzzleloader season last year so i burned my tag quickly um but we had we, on, on just one property that we hunt, i hunt several properties but one property that we hunt we ended up having about a a uh, hundred and fifty inch ten pointer show up the end of October. He stayed on the property all through, uh, the, uh, all the way to shed uh, antler drop. Um, we had, uh, and when we had another big deer that showed up, a big, huge, typical ten. And I'm not even going to put a in- number of inches on him because I, I, I don't even know. But uh, big, and and he did not even show up until I think it was November tenth, somewhere between November tenth and fifteenth. First time we had ever seen the deer, and. Um, he stayed there for about mm, about two weeks, and then he was gone. Yeah. So, so everybody talks about like everybody kind of gets stressed if they haven't shot their deer by November tenth, November fifteenth. But oftentimes, especially if you look at the record books, and I don't really care about records, but but it is interesting when you look at the record books. A lot of the top end deer, like the true the the big the big of the bigs, you know, the biggest of the big ones, they were shot in the second half of November. Yeah. And not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them. So, you know, as that rut starts to taper off, a lot of these mature deer, you know, they're, you know, the younger bucks have kind of, they've kind of, they're spent, you know, they don't have any energy left. But a lot of these big deer that know what's going on, it's four, you know, especially five plus years old, maybe even some of the four year olds, they, they've, they've saved some gas in the tank. You know, they still got a little gas in the tank left because they know what's up. They know there's going to be some does left to, to, to chase. And then you start to see their, at least in my opinion, their range start to expand a little bit as it becomes harder and harder to find those. So, yeah, I, even if you have to push into that mid, even that late November time frame, I think it sometimes is worth it. Yeah. 
So let's just, I think the best way to talk about this is to talk about our schedules this, this fall. So why don't you go ahead and start and talk about your specific schedule, when you're going to start, how, um, why you're going to start in that state, why you're going to your next state, why you're going to your next state. And then I think examples just get, give everybody the best idea. Yeah. So like I said, I'm going to hunt Kentucky. That's home base hunting private land here. Uh, I just have access to private. So I hunt private. We're going to be hunting public in Tennessee, hunting public in Indiana, uh, or excuse me, in Ohio. I have leased private land for the past six years up in Ohio, but the property that I just, uh, that I've hunted for the past three just sold. Finding a lease in Ohio right now is just absolutely a nightmare. So I'll be hunting public up there this season. Um, and then if I if I do well, if I fill t- my tags in Ohio and, and Tennessee, then I'll move over to Indiana. But, you know, obviously looking at timelines, Kentucky opens first. I do have one deer that I'm interested in right now. He's a deer that we had on camera a couple of years ago. Didn't see him last year. He's back this year. I've only had two sequences of photos from him this summer, so he's not a huntable deer. But that's the deer I kind of have my eye on right now. Uh, our season actually opens tomorrow, uh, September 3rd, Saturday, September 3rd. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, the earliest opener that I have access to this season. So, uh, I'll probably be in the woods somewhere either for myself or somebody else. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's basically what's going to happen there. Then we have Tennessee and Ohio. One, that one, one I'm going to interrupt you here. Yeah. Are you hunting the opener no matter what? I mean, weather uh, yeah. or no bucks showing up on camera. Like, are you still going out? Yes, uh, just just for pure the pure sake of tradition. Yeah. Um, because I, 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 to my knowledge, I haven't missed a Kentucky opener since I started hunting. Uh, uh, you know, as a kid, um, I'm, I may be wrong about that, but I don't recall missing a, a, the opener. Well, actually, I've missed one opener. I take that back that I can remember. Um, and so, yeah, I'll be hunting somewhere. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to dive into where I think, you know, this particular deer is I'm, I'm interested in hunting. I'm not going to dive in on that deer because I don't have him figured out well enough right now to do so. Um, Unless something changes and he starts popping up and I on, on this this last camera check, but uh, yeah, so I'll be hunting somewhere. You know, we have some other bucks that some good hundred and forty five to fifty inch bucks that we've got on camera right now, and I've got family and friends that I hunt with, and so you know I might even be in a tree with them on the opener. You know, gotcha. you know, setting with them. So so I don't know. It's just one of those things where yes, I'll be somewhere for sure. Uh, I just, but, but I'm, I'm still contemplating on what it's going to, what, what I'm at, where I'm actually going to be, but yeah, so Kentucky opens up Saturday. It, uh, is going to be on basically the only place that I focus on for the next month or so, because whenever you look at the other two states that I'm going to be hunting pretty hard, Tennessee and Ohio, um, their archery seasons open up on September 24th. So both of those open up the same weekend, um, uh, and, uh, and, and so once those open, then I'll start to focus there. I think generally my current train of thought is that I'm going to be hunting Kentucky up until the end of September when these others open up. Then I'm going to be hunting Tennessee because it's close to home as well, hunting about an hour and a half from home um, from the end of September 
up to about the end of October, you know, hunting both Kentucky and Tennessee. And then I've, I've got some public land that I've scouted pretty hard in Ohio. I've got it figured out. And so once the rut kicks in, I'm going to probably focus on Ohio from like October 30th, 31st, up until around November 4th or 5th, because that's the best time to hunt the rut where I hunt in Ohio. Um, and then I'll be probably be coming back home to hunt Kentucky's rut, uh, bow hunt the rut from the 5th to around the 10th. Uh, I don't know exactly when the gun opener is this year, but it's usually somewhere around the 10th, you know, that Saturday closest to that. Um, and then I'll hunt Kentucky's gun season. Now, again, you know, I'm going to be this whole time, you know, that's the, the rough outline. Of course, you know, as we get past the rut, you know, end of November, I might be bouncing around from Kentucky to Ohio to Tennessee, just based on, you know, what I'm thinking at the time. But again, you know, I have these, it's almost like uh, plans. I have the big plans, the overarching plans, but then there'll be plans with the plans and then audibles yep. with those plans changes. And, and those changes will be purely based on what the deer is telling me. Um, you know, obviously I'm not going to have cell cameras running everywhere or anything like that, but, uh, uh, I will probably have some cameras running on public. I do like to run cameras on public where it's allowed. Um, some places it's allowed, some places it's not depending, you know, you got, obviously got to read your regulations there, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, it's just going to depend on the, the scenario. So like I'll, I'll be doing a lot of bouncing once we get around, uh, uh, the, 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 the end of October, early November. And it's just going to be purely based on the circumstances I find myself in. Like, for example, if some of the big target bucks that I've had on camera and saw last season in Kentucky show back up, these are going to be some top end deer, deer that, you know, quality deer that I generally don't have access to hunt. If they show up, a lot of my chips are going to be pushed, you know, pushed there just simply because these are deer that type deer that I might only get to hunt every three to four to five years. So, yeah. uh, so, so that's obviously going to be a, a factor. So then um, you, so then what, what I'm getting out of this is there's certain States and locations that Trump other States and locations. So if the big dogs in Kentucky show up and start to uh, become patternable or uh, killable, then you might just ditch out on one of the other States. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and and the reason I say that is because these other states, can, uh, Tennessee and Ohio, I've learned, uh, I've been scouting these places pretty hard, learning them. I still feel confident uh, that I can, you know, fill tags there, um, even outside of the rut. You know, I, I mean, you know, the rut's great, but the rut is basically a crutch for the unprepared hunter. I love the rut because right. I'm more un I'm more unprepared than anybody else out there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not like, you know, harping on anybody out there. Like I I'm I'm in that boat. Like I need the rut oftentimes especially uh to help me fill tags on pieces of ground that I'm unfamiliar with. I think that's the best thing that you can do. Yeah. Like if somebody's out there if they if they're trying to hunt another state, generally, generally, if you're hunting somewhere that you don't have experience with the best time for you to hunt that is during the rut simply because it's going to make it the learning curve just a little bit easier yep absolutely um, so, so if you're hunting at home 
uh, unless you, like I said, unless you just have a really, really, really big deer that you're after and you're like, Oh, I'm, I've got to get this deer. You know, if, if, if you, you know, I think the best thing to do if you're going to hunt multiple States, especially if the, the ruts are at the same time or if they overlap is to spend that rut time on properties, you know, out of state that you're unfamiliar with because yeah. it's going to make it easier to be successful there. Yeah. That said, if it's the other way around, if you've been doing some out of state hunting or if you at least scouted it and feel confident there, um, uh, you know, and, you know, and you can maybe flip flop that again. It just depends. One of the big things I like to say about deer hunting, everybody like even on some of these topics like hunting mornings during the early season or hunting mornings during the late season or whatever topic you want to look at, there's no black and white, you know. Uh, everybody likes to say, oh, you can't hunt mornings during the early season or hunt mornings during the late season. Well, I was like, well, yeah, you can as long as you got the access to get into that stand without bumping deer. But uh, and, and if you've got a deer on a morning pattern that's huntable, you know, um, so again, I think a lot of things with deer hunting, obviously you're not talking about game laws here, not talking about ethics either. But but deer hunting is a shades of gray. It's not black and white and, and decisions that you make and tactics that you use. They're not, you know, they're not black and white. They're shades of gray as far as when to use them, when not to use them. And, and, and that's, I think that same mentality applies to how to plan and juggle all these trips um, uh, and, and states that you might want to hunt um, simply because, you know, it's going to depend on the scenario and circumstances that you find yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Great point. And, and so for me, it's tough, right? Because obviously I have Iowa to fall back on. Um, and, and a lot of my decisions revolve around, um, what is moving around. So I live in Iowa. Uh, I have multiple farms with multiple trail cameras. I'll go and check those trail cameras. I even have a couple cell cams kind of not in basically the bedding areas or anything like that there. It's all like on the outskirts so I can get cell reception, but I go and check my trail cameras and based off of what I see, I say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start hunting here now or not. And a lot of time it has to do with, yeah, there's big bucks on the property, but there's not, uh, they're not, they're nocturnal still. Like it's a, it's a yeah. one thirty in the morning picture or things like that. So, uh, um, that, that Intel. And so, one thing that I, I think I do in October that I've liked is I can go into some of these properties and start hunting. But what I've found is that I am doing more damage probably from a pressure standpoint than like I, I'm starting to go in. I'm starting to educate them. And next thing you know, uh, I've, maybe I've bumped one. Maybe I, I know it. Maybe I don't know it. Or, or I get busted or all of a sudden the, the trail camera pictures just slow down or shut off. So what yeah. I've done is I, I tend to not even get out there anymore and, and, and hunt my main farms in Iowa until late October, uh, the rut time frame. And that's why I go out of state. It's, it's almost like a it's something to do so I don't damage my Iowa farms. So yeah, I think yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. 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 So that's why I go to Nebraska and South Dakota and things like that and, and chase a different species and, you know, try to, you know, try yeah. to shoot a mule deer or something like that. And, and so I, I think this year with my Nebraska hunt, it's a September hunt. I think I'm going to stick to the dates that I already have. I'm not, it's not going to fluctuate because I don't want to miss more than one football game uh, for my boy. But the October hunt, that I'm going to go on, um, to South Dakota, 
I really feel like that's going to be more of a sliding scale based off of weather. Um, if I can, if I can come after, uh, you know, a cold front comes through or come drive while the cold front's coming through, I really think I'll be able to um, see more deer than if it's like some holding pattern of, of heat and, you know, no, no weather moving in. It's just kind of stagnant. So that, that particular hunt might just, I might just hold off on that and watch the weather. Um, my wife already knows I'm going, but she doesn't necessarily, I don't know when I'm going yet. So, um, that's the bad part, but the good part is once I get out there, I'll probably see more deer because I've chosen a better window to go weather wise, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I think when you're looking, you're, you're just trying to figure all this out, you know, like if you're hunting multiple States, like what's, what's your goal? What are you trying to do? Well, you're trying to fill as many deer tags as possible. I mean, that's, yes. I mean, you're, you know that you know. I, I mean, it's not all about filling new tags. Obviously, I think one of the biggest things is going and, and seeing new places, hunting new places. That's you know one of the reasons I love to hunt multiple states is seeing new ground. But I mean, at, but really, when you boil it down, you're trying to fill multiple buck tags. And so, whatever is going to help you fill the most buck tags is is probably the the sequence of uh, of or, or or the plan that you should use. So that's going to look different to everybody i think um but but when you when you're looking at each of the states that you're planning on hunting whether it's two whether it's three whether it's four whatever it is trying to figure out okay what's going to give me the highest percentage uh uh, highest odds of filling all of my tags or at least most of my tags or as many tags as possible that's the plan you should follow whatever that plan looks like to an individual yeah sounds good yeah and I do agree with you, like say, like, you know, saving your best spot. So again, that's probably generally your best spot is the spot, you know, the best, you know, right. well, you know, and, and you know, cause, cause you know, a property that might be, you know, you know, say on a scale of one to 10, it might rank uh, a seven, you know, but that's your home farm. That's the farm, you know, the best that, you know, you've, you've hunted it for years. You've got experience with it. You might, it might be a seven. Well, yeah you can hunt as property out of state that might be an eight or a nine or a 10, but if you don't know that property as well, you're not going to hunt it as efficiently and, and, and you're not going to be, you're not going to do as well. So generally your best farm is just the farm that you know the best. And, and, and generally, so, so like, that's what I like to do oftentimes if, you know, and and if you say all things equal though, like if you've hunted a state or if you've scouted a bunch out of state, Again, I, I do think if you if you're confident that you can kill a deer on your home farms um, or home farm, you know, outside of the rut, if you're confident in that, like I say, it maybe it peaks during the late season, and so you're thinking about saving it for the late season. I'll, I'll I'll say you know, prime example of that for me has been Ohio, simply because we've had food and good late season bedding cover. I filled my buck tag in Ohio uh, two out of the last three years. I I, I did I didn't shoot a deer one year. I missed a deer. Even it was, but but it was during late season too. Two out of the last three years, I filled my buck tag in Ohio during the late season, and then I'm the the third year, uh, I, I missed one yeah. uh, during the late season, and and because I knew that the property that I was hunting peaked during the late season, so yeah. I didn't really spend a lot of time up there during the rut. So, like for example, I would hunt Kentucky uh, and Indiana during the rut, and then save Ohio for the late season. Yeah. Um, even though that was an out of state, you know, so, so that's thinking about, you know, knowing when your properties peak again, it's going to look different for everybody, but, but I do think saving your, your, the properties that you know, the best 
for the rut can be the right route, just, you know, filling a tag there. But at the same time, as we said earlier, the rut can be a good crutch for the properties that you don't know well. So it, there's different different approaches there, uh, different uh, different uh, mindsets, different directions you can go in. But I think it's important for everybody to just kind of weigh those options, weigh those different tactics or approaches, figure out what's best for them. Yeah, I want to throw a, a best case scenario at you. All right, you tag out, you tag out in Kentucky early. You something something happens opening day, and and you your big dog shows up, and you shoot him. Uh, you go to Ohio for the rut, or you know you go you go to your next state, Tennessee. You go to connect, dear. You know you go to Ohio, connect. So now all these places that you've done, you're you're out, and maybe you still have you can still catch the rut somewhere else. Where? How do you how do you know? It, it, like if you still have the brownie points and you haven't burned the bridge all the way to the ground yet with uh, the family or the wife and your schedule, what like how are you are are you I should say are you gonna try to fit another state in? Are you gonna just let it rest and say I've had a good year or what's the deal? Yeah, no. If if I've still got the budget and and the brownie points, I'm I'm you know it's it's pedal to the metal. But uh, you know I, I think I think you know. You know, it depends on the time frame there. Um, you know, I've got two. I'll have. I think I'll have two tags for Tennessee. So uh, the odds of me filling a buck tag Kentucky, two buck tags in Tennessee, buck tag, and I, I got to double check that on the regs because this will be actually be my first year hunting Tennessee. I'm pretty sure you get two tags. Uh, I think you can fill both of those on public land, but I got to double check that. But uh, uh, you know, given the given that that's the case, I don't think the odds. You know, I, I feel you know. <laughs> I'm an average deer hunter, Dan, you know, I, 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 sometimes I might sound like I know what I'm talking about, but, but I'll tell you, I, you know, it, it's hard for me to feel more than, more than, I think the best year I ever had, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the best year I ever had, I think I've filled four buck tags in one season. Four. You know, that's the best, that's the best year I've ever had. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think, I think one year I shot a Kentucky deer, Ohio deer, uh, uh, South Dakota and, uh, yeah, and, and three three whitetails and a mule deer. I shot a mule deer. Uh, I think it was in Alberta. So if I'm remembering correctly, I think all of that was in. I think all that was in 2016. Yeah, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was. So so it's hard for me just for my work for my work schedule, my family schedule. It's hard for me to feel do better than that. Uh, so the odds the odds of me uh, tagging out in Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ohio probably aren't that great. But if I do. Yeah, I'll for sure, and, and, and my plan will be to hunt Indiana. So, like, I think the the my personal approach, especially if you're trying to juggle work life and family life, is to to figure out okay, what's your home state, and then figure out the states that's closest to you around you that you think there's a good odds of of, of doing well on public. Um, simply because public takes time to learn, and if you're having to hunt public that's 10, 15 hours away you're not going to be able to learn it as well as if you would be hunting something that's closer to home. That's like five hours or less that you can drive up and scout quite a bit or drive up for a two day hunt, then come back home and then go back again two days later and then come back home and then go again, you know, you know, so, so my general approach is to figure out where the States around Kentucky, cause that's home base for me, yeah. which of the States around Kentucky am I going to have the highest odds? Yeah. Uh, not to say that you can't take a road trip that's 10, 12 hours away uh, and, I think that's definitely good to do during the rut. 
those those long road trips it's perfect for the rut if you're going to be gone for seven to ten days but if you're hunting outside of that period so like say 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 for me like i filled my tags and then we get to the late season you know i'm probably going to do that somewhere that's close to home simply because late season deer are hard to hunt they take time to figure out um and you know you don't have that rut as a crutch anymore um so uh, and, and, but again, something to consider, you know, if you do actually like to chase the rut, um, you know, you can try to hit some of these deep south states. Because what's so interesting about the rut, the whitetail rut ranges from July to February. Yeah, nationwide. that's crazy. That's crazy. So, yeah. And, and both ends of that spectrum is in the south. So if you're if it's late season and you filled all your tags in the upper, you know, in the, in the Midwest or wherever you're from and you still want to hunt the rut, you can find a state to hunt the rut in December, January, and February. That blows my mind. Like, so from my understanding, the July rut, there's a a portion of Florida that has a July rut, right? Which means like sitting, and I think it's around the Everglades areas. It's like deep South Florida. I'm, I'm, I think that's where it's at. And so just imagine sitting down there in that humidity rattling in like i don't know if there's necessarily a season around that rut but just like just imagine sitting in a tree in july in uh you know in the most humid environment that there is and trying to like rattle in uh, a buck i i think that would be crazy yeah 100 so um so here's here's a dilemma that i i have kind of have i the good thing about Iowa and what makes Iowa so special is that we don't have a gun season until December, right? So pretty much the whole rut gets to happen without like the pressure of the gun season starting. With that said, um, all the other states that I want to hunt kind of have a uh, 12th to the 17th gun, um, gun opener for November. So that leaves me the first potential let's just say the first 10 days of november to go hunt a a catch the rut without gun pressure in a different state so my dilemma is this do i do i just give up on iowa for the first week of november and try to hunt a, a different state before their gun season starts and then come back to iowa the uh the the second week and start to hunt Iowa the second week of November around the the 10th through the 20th time frame and so that's that's what I'm debating right now do I do I leave the tried and true of my farms in Iowa the places that I know the best in hopes of connecting on another rut deer in a different state in a good spot before the pressure of the gun season starts so yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm juggling. That's what I'm juggling in my head right now. Yeah, that's tough. You know, that's a hard decision to make. You know, uh, again, you know, it, it, in, in my opinion, so like, you know, it, it boils down to, okay, am I after a specific deer? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, obviously you can't pattern a deer during the rut, but even, even you know, especially mature deer, even, even that first few days in November, at least where I hunt in Kentucky, those mature deer, yeah, they start to move more. They start to expand their range a little bit, but they don't really start to expand their range until around November 8th to 10th. You know, that right. first five, at least for me in Kentucky, that first five days of November, they even though they're moving more in daylight and they're moving a little further out and a little further out, the uber mature deer, like five-plus-year-old deer, maybe even some of the four-year-olds, uh, they, they, they're moving more but they're still holding fairly close to that core area during daylight and close, you know, uh, you know, so 
even though it's hard to pattern a deer, I do think that that's a good time to to shoot a specific mature deer if you're you're you know you're in there. Now he could get on you know hit a hot doe you know and, and be you know five miles down the road you know because it, it is November, but there's still a chance. That you, so it, it's hard. I, I, yeah. I mean, if you're after a specific deer at home, uh, yeah, you know it's tempting to stay home and 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 try to get that done. But at the same time, like I said, you know, if you're wanting to hunt multiple states and like your goal, you're like this year, like, like, let's say that's not the case. Let's say you just have some, you know, your average, you know, what you have access to every year. You know, that's what you got access to again this year at home. And you're like, well, there's a pretty good chance I'll shoot a deer during the late season at home, even if I don't shoot one during the rut. I think at that point, it's definitely, it's definitely good to go somewhere else during the rut because you're trying to optimize you're trying to you know increase the number of buck tags you fill. So yeah. if, if you're if you're just after your average typical mature buck at home, and you think you're going to do well during the late season, uh, or even the late rut for that matter, I think going out of state during that period, as long as you're hunting decent ground, uh, is probably the the the, the thing to do. Um, but if you're hunting a really really top end deer at home, and you're like, oh, this is a deer I only get to hunt once every five or ten years. I think it might pay off to stay home. Yeah. And so, man, but there's one thing that just frustrates me, and that happened this past year. I, I shot my buck on November 4th, okay? And so I, I shot my deer in South Dakota last year, um, mid-October, came home, hunted a little bit around Iowa, not too much, tagged out November 4th, and here I am, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th 11th 12th blah 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 just sitting looking out my window going man i wish i could be hunting right now and so that's why juggling that those first two weeks in november are are frustrating for me because i don't want to ever like eat my tag in iowa anymore i don't want to like be in and at the same time i don't want to be in another state and have a cell cam go off of a one of the top dogs show up in iowa and i'm you know 10 hours away so, <laughs> so, you know, that's, it's the, but I guess at the same time, people are listening to us and go, at least you have that option prick, you know what I yeah. mean? So, so yeah. Um, well, Hey man, you I, know, and that happens. That yeah. is going to happen because you know, that's that. So like I've, a lot of years, I can't remember exactly what year it was. I think it was maybe 2017 or 18, um, 2017 or 18 somewhere in there uh you know I'd, I'd already filled my you know 2017 and 18 both i filled my kentucky tag at home uh, on velvet deer um so obviously i wasn't hunting at home but at that at that point you know i was kind of bouncing around had different plans and i hunted up in ohio for four or five days straight during the rut early rut early november yeah and then the day after i left i think i left and went somewhere else or or had to leave for to come back home to work or something i, I left and the day after I, I left you know after i got all said and done and pulled cards and was looking through everything realized that the 180 inch deer i was hunting <laughs> showed up the day after i left yeah i believe uh, it <laughs> and, and, and so it's, go, it's going to happen. It will happen if you try to juggle multiple states. It, that's one of the infuriating things about it. But but uh, you just got to roll with it. Amen. Amen. Well, Mr. Honeycutt, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this. I know it was last minute, but uh, man, I'm going to send some good vibes your way. And I hope that you connect and fill all your tags this year. So put some antlers on the wall and some meat in the freezer and, and you find success this year. Yeah, I appreciate it. As always, it's an honor to be on your podcast, and I just appreciate the invite. 
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Josh. I know he's probably out grinding hard right now, trying to get the job done in whatever state he's in. Uh, So good luck this season, Josh. Good luck to all of you. I keep saying this, man. I'm sending really good vibes out. Hopefully you guys are getting them. Uh, it it, it, It would mean the world to me. I don't care how big the buck is or if it's a doe or if it's you know, if it's one of those those fawns that still has milk running from its mouth and uh, your kid shoots it or you shoot it to fill the freezer, I don't care. I love getting the pictures. I love getting the um, the messages through social media about your, your guys' success throughout the year. So please continue to do that. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.